welcome back to the wise man's fear. The <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> welcome back to the wise man's fear, the podcast where we read nope. God damn it. Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 315. If you ask politely when we next meet, I may demonstrate my newfound skills. I have seen my first Adam mercenary. They call them bloodshirts here. She is hardly bigger than me, with quite the most remarkable gray eyes. She is pretty, but strange and quiet, endlessly twitching. I have not seen her fight, and I'm not sure I wish to. Though I am curious, I am still enamored of the harp, and am currently housing with a skilled gentleman, whom I shall not name, for the furtherance of my study in this. I have drunk some wine while writing this letter. I mention this to excuse my above spelling of the word furtherance, furtherance, kissed. You know what I mean. I apologize for not writing sooner, but I have been a great deal traveling and not until now have I had means to write a letter. Now that I have done, I expect it might be a while longer before I find a traveler I trust to start this missive on its long road back to you. I think of you often and fondly. Yours, D. Postscript, I hope your loot case is serving you well. Aladdin's class began strangely that day. For one, Aladdin was actually on time. This caught us unprepared, as the six remaining students had taken to spending the first 20 or 30 minutes of the class gossiping, playing cards, and griping about how little we were learning. We didn't even notice Master Namer, until he was halfway down the steps of the lecture hall, clapping his hands to get our attention. The second odd thing was that Aladdin was dressed in his formal robes. I had seen him wear them before, when occasion demanded, but always grudgingly. Even during admissions interviews, they were usually rumpled and unkept. Today he wore them as if he meant it. They looked sharp and freshly laundered. His hair wasn't in its normal state of dishevel, either. It looked like it had been trimmed and combed. Reaching the front of the lecture hall, he climbed onto the dais and moved to stand beside the lectern. This, more than anything, made everyone sit up and take notice. Eladin never used the lectern. Long ago, he said, without any preamble, this was a place where people came to learn secret things. Men and women came to the university to study the shape of the world. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. It's quite charming, Dena's uh, misspellings and the way that she constructs her sentences. Interesting to me that uh, it seems like the way she writes is different than the way she speaks. She has a different kind of cadence and sentence structure when writing than when she's speaking. Uh, but it, it does have a lot of character. Something else that is lost in the spoken reading is that the final paragraph is underlined. I apologize for not writing sooner, but I have been a great deal traveling. What do you mean underlined? Like on the page that like there's a line under it? Yeah. 
That's not the case in my book. No. Nope. Oh, how curious. Well, in my book, the the paragraph, I apologize for not writing sooner, but I've been a great deal traveling, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is, is underlined, which to me, and it's interesting that it was fixed later mm. because clearly the text on the page is diegetic. The misspellings are maintained. Yeah. Well, and she also, it's, I feel like she wouldn't write the letter in the way that she's writing it if she hadn't had a couple of glasses of wine. Because, like, you know, if you're writing a letter, you know, you have the opportunity to, like, cross out a word you've misspelled or, like, you know, start a new, like, you know, to, like, think about what you're going to say before you say it. So the fact that she's writing in this almost, like, stream of consciousness way it indicates to me that, like, she's feeling a little loosey-goosey. You know what I mean? What's funny about the misspellings is... I only noticed one because it was specifically noted. I could not tell you where the other misspellings on this page are because reading is hard to begin with and I don't have time to look for people's spelling mistakes. Well, she only misspells the word furtherance, but she misspells it twice. I'm not sure I could spell that word to begin with, so. Do you think that Denna had to get liquored up to write this letter? That Uh, she needed a little liquid courage in order to get it going? Maybe, maybe. That's possible. I guess I just kind of pictured her like unwinding on a Friday night, uh, you know, after her studies, she's like, she's living with a a skilled gentleman. So she, you know, she can relax a little bit and maybe she's like, I'm going to write Quoth a letter and I'm, you know, enjoying my Friday night. So I'm going to have a glass of wine and another glass of wine. I'm going to relax by writing my friend a letter. But maybe she is like, oh, geez, Quoth probably thinks I hate him. Uh, Oh, heavens, this is going to be so awkward to write. I better, I better bolster my courage. That's what I think. I think she's been procrastinating writing the letter as well. She's been, you know, it's been a while. She's probably had opportunities to write letters, but, you know, it hasn't felt like the right time or she's been, you know, too nervous. She's been procrastinating, making excuses, which is definitely something I do when I feel like I have to write a letter to someone that I haven't spoken to a while to catch up, Mm. you know, like an email, like a catch up email, right? Do you ever procrastinate writing a catch up email? I definitely do. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And it's funny because she, like she's not she's telling him sort of what's been up with with her, but she doesn't ask him anything. She doesn't like sort of give him any conversational prompts, except that she hopes that his loot case is doing well. Which I think there's a lot you can read into that in that that is a gift that she took a lot of pride in getting for him, and she knows how important the loot is. And so I think that is her way of trying to gauge his feelings about her and about the gift. I might also suggest that uh, her not asking after him is sort of her concession to be like, I know I'm not, you know, I wouldn't prevail upon you to assume you would want to write a letter back. I know you are so busy and important and I'm not worth too much. So feel no obligation to write back to me. I just ever so, I think of you fondly. I hope you are well, which I think is fitting with her character and what we know about how she feels about herself. I feel like we get a lot of letters from Denna to Quoth, but we don't get a lot of letters from Quoth to Denna, which sort of makes me wonder, like, why does, why does Denna send him letters? Like, I, like she likes him and she sends him letters and that's assumably why she sends him letters. But it's not like, it's not like, a, like, whereas like when you're writing like a reply letter, you're like, oh, or, or like a, like a, like a letter to catch up with someone. Normally it's like, because you feel some sort of obligation to do so for some other reason, but like Quoth never writes Denna letters. So why would Denna feel obligated to write him a letter? I think she feels obligated to write him a letter because she disappeared without warning and she feels bad about that. 
She wants to clear the air. Yeah. Also, I think Quoth does write her letters. He just doesn't tell us that. Like, I think we can assume that between the end of this letter and the beginning of the next scene that he wrote her back. But he doesn't know where she is. Yeah, that's another that's another problem. What he might have to do is say is like send it to like somewhere in the small kingdoms and hope for the best. That wouldn't make any sense. That would be that would be a waste of paper and ink, especially considering that they're expensive and something that Quoth like needs and also like sort of not ch- cherishes is not the word I'm looking for, but these are expensive things that he shouldn't waste and he knows that. He cherishes them. That's a good read. I, I walk it back then. As much as I still think that her not asking to write back, because she could, she could say, write a letter back to this place and I'll pick it up there. Uh, but she either doesn't want to be found or doesn't want to leave a like a trail of mm-hmm. places she might return to, or she is like, I don't feel like Quoth owes me or like that I'm worth that much to Quoth. Mm. But of course, Quoth would write her back if he knew where to write to, right? Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> like, I think that he would use paper for that. That he wouldn't think of that as a waste of paper. But I think, Jordana, that you're probably right that he would think of it as a waste of paper if he didn't, if he couldn't be reasonably sure that it would even get to her. Yes. Is there anything else to speak about about the letter? Because we can move on to the second half of the page, which also has some good... I'm good to move on to the second oh, half. The, the only thing I want to point out is that Rothfuss is once again foreshadowing the ADEM by having Denna describe meeting one and confirming some of the things that we know that people think about the ADEM, that they wear red, that they are they're twitchy, they're quiet and twitchy, and that people, she's like, I have not seen her fight, and I'm not sure I wish to, which implies that the ADEM have this air of like danger and menace about them. I mean, Denna's read of this person she's just met is probably also colored by what, by what she's already heard about them. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. That the, the Adam have a reputation for being dangerous fighters, and that gives them a certain mystique. So, you know, she's probably thinking like, oh, like, I, you know, I don't want my caravan to get attacked on the road, but if they do, then I'll get to see this person be a badass. Now we can move on from the letter. No, we can move on off the letter. Uh, I, I think that what we're to take away from this is that while Elodin has no use for ceremony most of the time, whatever he's about to launch into is important to him. Like yes. this, you know, for all the other pomp and circumstance that the university uh, has that he has scorn for, this is maybe the one thing that he takes seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we will get into why that is different and why that has changed. But Elodin uh, is perhaps a traditionalist in a sense, like in, in a way that we haven't really probed into so far, because Elodin perhaps has scorn for like the new way of the university where it's moved away from being focused about naming um, and magic and that he only hews to the old traditions. Uh, I'm what I'm, I'm just so that listeners can catch up. He's about to, um, he's about to sort of, gift fella the ring for learning the name of stone and so this is the ceremony that he's entering into uh to to do that yeah so i completely agree with everything you said i think eladin uh doesn't care about most of the the sort of grandstanding and pomp and circumstance at the university but what he does what is important to him is when people are learning the real true shape of the world i.e. naming and when he has been 
when he feels that he's been successfully able to teach that to someone, he feels like it's appropriate to dress the part. Yeah, I have a question uh, based sort of in the end of the page, but not really in the story itself. And maybe this is just because like, I did not spend a lot of time in lecture halls in my post-secondary, but what is a dice? Dice? A, a dais is like a ra- a platform. Oh, so, it's, so like it's just, little... it's the thing on the steps that the lectern sits on. Yeah. Words. I don't get it. That's okay. Neither did Hamlet. The letter from Gary, who writes on a follow-up to page 121 of Name of the Wind. Gary writes, Hi, pagers. Thank you for entertaining my letter from the past. Fortunately, I am listening to Wise Man's page in real time. I'm sorry, Jeremy, but Nick has the correct read on my letter. My apologies for implying I had an alternate reading of Ben's warning. It was fun to listen to Nick's pot crack as he chewed over Ben's warning. Ben's inscription in Rhetoric and Logic is, Quoth, defend yourself well at the university. Make me proud. Remember your father's song. Be wary of folly. In this context, as Nick pointed out, before we as readers are aware of the consequences of Arladen's song about the Chandran, it seems that Ben has more insight into the significance of the song than he has let on to Quoth. I think it's a step too far to say that Ben would intentionally abandon Quoth to the slaughter if he knew it was coming, but it does raise the questions you addressed on episode 288. As long as I'm writing, I'd like to make one suggestion. In Tarbine, Quoth makes an analogy to being in a large ballroom or something similar. This was bothersome to Jeremy, as young Quoth probably never was in a large ballroom and so shouldn't make this comparison. As long as I'm writing, I would like to make a one suggestion. In Tarbine, Quoth makes an, an analogy to being in a large ballroom or something similar. This was bothersome to Jeremy, as young Quoth probably never was in a large ballroom and so shouldn't make this comparison. I think it's important to remember that this story is as told by Quoth the innkeeper with all of the lessons he's learned. I don't recall you three being bothered by this kind of thing in Wiseman's page. It is an interesting choice by Rothfuss to use older Quoth to tell his story in such a way. Back to the present, my initial take on Quoth's desire to visit the Tal mirrors Jeremy's. I think Quoth wants to live among people who value singing as art form. It was enlightening to hear Jordana's read. Insights like these are the second most important reason I listen. The pure entertainment and the banter is the first. Thank you. Signed, Gary. I don't even remember what my read was. Uh Uh-oh. I'm sure it was was scintillating, whatever it was. Thank you so so. much for writing, Gary. And uh, it's nice to have some confirmation that what people really value about this podcast is the bits. Oh, yes. It's all bits. You hear that, Jordana? Mm-hmm. I did not hear that. La 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 la. <laughs> Primo bits. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have anything to disagree with in that letter. I think that your points are both cogent and elucidating. I love those words. That's what an English degree gets you. Big words. I love it. And little else. That's right. <laughs> no, I mean, he's right. Well, listeners, we shall gift you with more hot steaming bits on tomorrow's episode of Page of the Way.